Are dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top-notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state-of-the-art equipment and techniques. Rogerstein Crash Repairs saved my car. It looks brand new. Fast, friendly and reliable. I wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle. Don't let accidents slow you down. Visit Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide at 14 Penner Avenue, Glind for quality service you can count on. And here's a special offer just for our listeners. Mention this podcast and receive a $100 discount on your repair. Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair. Tonight's guest, we welcome along Sean the Kid Tasker. 48 games for the Crows, 91 to 96. 114 games at North, 40 games as well. Then with Glenelg and Sturt, North Adelaide Premiership player in 1991, even though the Crows give you 87 as well, Tess. So congratulations on that. Claim that Boy, as well, mate. Actually, rule book, the stats are wrong because um, I actually was at the Adelaide Footy Club in 97. I didn't get the bullet until late October. So yeah. they've even scabbed a year off me there, mate. Yeah, it's a bit rough. Yes, yeah. I'm sure you would have definitely uh, dominated the, the uh, celebration, Sean. Oh, I made the most of it, rule book. Yes. Okay, let's go back to the beginning, uh, Sean. So, uh, junior at Torrens, and then obviously probably going to be my favourite part of the interview, uh, bobbing up at Adelaide Uni in 1986. What yes, a great mate. year, Sean. Go for it, mate. Yeah, it was um, it was pretty good in uh, 86, rule book, to be fair. Um, yeah, it was a junior at West Torrens. Um, actually, mum and dad had the West Debbie Hotel, so I actually lived across the road from the, from the Oval. So, lived across the road from the Oval, uh, played juniors from 13s to 19s at West Torrens and got a bit disgruntled and wasn't sure where they were going. So I actually left there and got hooked up with Johnny Griffin and the boys at Adelaide Uni while I was doing year 12. So that's an interesting interesting take and therefore you blokes all called me the kid. Yes. Is, uh, pretty happy with that, being Dermot Brereton's nickname at the time. The kid and ended is- up at... Adelaide Uni playing, um, most people think I was the full forward, but actually I was just one of the, I was a bit half forward, bit of forward pocket, bit of wing to be fair during the year because we had some, you know, correct me Malcolm, but we had some superstars in that side. I remember Andrew Antonello, uh, Mick Eaton, Sandy Hancock, Keg Foster, they were all running around in the forward line as the big as the big go to players. And on those, the Eckert was in the is in the for, in the forward pocket too. Yes, yes. Um, so it was um, it was a pretty star started lineup. Now, Pete, there was one thing. There were, well, Darren Foster actually bobbed up with four games to go. It was actually yeah. he rang me on the Saturday morning, and uh, so we'll thank Elaine uh, Daverin and all that for things getting organised there for him to play on that day. Yeah, he played reserves that day against. Uh, Hackney High, Spock, and then came in and, of course, uh, kicked the winning goal. The first time Adelaide Uni hit the front for the day was 30-odd seconds to go. And Correct, against Riverside. Yes, uh, the late Brent Necker, um, I'm sure Sean will agree, a magnificent bloke, um, had missed a goal from 15 yards out for, to hit the front. 
So nose in his intimidable fashion. So they ended up six of us out on the uh, wicket at Adelaide Oval and burnt his boots in the middle of Adelaide Oval after. He did. Oh wow! He did. And it was actually it was the first time I've I'd seen a celebration of a grand final victory in the middle of an oval. Yes. I, I, I think the uh, AFL clubs have stolen that from the Adelaide University Blacks. You know, in his boots, with a it was a different a different sort of thing to do and. Uh, the great man, Frederick Archibald Block, walked out and we were sitting there and obviously myself, a far better administrator than I was a player, and uh, had said, right, we've just beaten a club who spent $52,000 on player payments. And we all sort of looked at each other and just nodded. And that's, for me, still one of my proudest moments. Wow. Yeah, I wasn't playing, but as an administrator, it was a, a huge buzz. And, yeah, a couple of sensational days and uh, obviously helped a lot by your late father, Frank's... Uh, Help and then, of uh, course, at the Dover Hotel, Dover Castle. After that, Sean. So yes, great yeah, days. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was uh, there was some good. There were some good days of uh, of amateur league footy in those days, boys. And uh, it was it was great stuff. It was exciting. And um, you know, to be fair, we we probably played just as hard off the field as we did on the field in those Very days. Very much so. And then North Adelaide uh, <laughs> out, out to North and ending up in the original Crow squad, John, basically. Yeah. So. Getting to North Adelaide, well, that must have been, um, to be fair, the, the, the wonder the wonder trade of the Sandville days, which um, Michael Noon and Michael Flynn um, orchestrated, which was West Torrens gave up Johnny Roberts, Stephen Sims, Stephen Barrett, Sean Tasker, and West Torrens got Grenville Dietrich. And I think there was also some cash that Torrens paid North Adelaide as well. So... Let's be fair. Johnny Roberts goes on and kicks a hundred, and they yeah. win the win the flag in '87, and all four become premiership players. So it was a it was a hell of a coup. And, and to be fair, it was um it was a tough it was a tough journey to start with. <clears throat> Took a bit of time to, I suppose, settle in and and learn what was required to be a, a league footballer. But um you know once once I got going, I, you know I thoroughly enjoyed it. And you know to be fair, blokes like Daryl Hart. Craig Burton, Peter Bennett, um, Michael Redden, the, the senior Trevor Clisby, the senior players of the footy club at the time, and in the coach Mike Noonan was hard on me. To be fair, but I, I think the hardness taught me what was required to play, and really enjoyed my um, my career at North Adelaide, which was great. And a, and a premiership there in '91 as well. Yes, yep, yep. Um, the '91 flag in the in the big Biffo game against West Adelaide. So yes, bloodbath. the bloodbath. Yeah. There, there was a bloodbath. Well, see, people people don't realise that, I know Simsy might have clocked Matty Simpson, but Matty Simpson played for us at the beginning of that year. Yes. So he was a North player who uh, left because I believe, you know, thought he should have got a game before some of our more senior Rovers. And uh, there was always going to be some sort of issue. But, um, you know, thank, thank God that was up the other end of the ground. And I was able to, Standing in the goal square next to Tony Modra and just watch the fireworks from afar. You would have done the classic Adelaide Uni move, wouldn't you, Sean? A brawl happening, one step forward, three steps back, mate? Oh, I think it was half a step forward and <laughs> ten back, rule book, to be honest. I actually think at one stage I went to the canteen and got a hot dog just to spectate. <laughs> Well, the ball wasn't down your end that often, but uh, you actually had, a, in uh, fairness, you had a very good year after winning the goal kicking in North Adelaide <laughs> earlier on, and then a very good year at fullback, Sean. Yeah, it was a real, um, it was a real switch. I'd sort of played pretty much as a, a wing half forward, forward in that 
in that beginning. And then actually we went to we went to Port Piri to play the very first game of the 1990 season, and we had a bunch of injuries. And and Mike, we played Port Adelaide actually. And Mike stacked up the back half of the field with all the guys that had played previously, and all the newcomers sort of played forward. And I I got plopped into the halfback flank and had a bit of a day out. So I sort of from then on I sort of stayed in the stayed in the back line unless you know, sometimes a coach would come and say, I need a goal, so you're going forward. But most of the time, I'd, that was it for me. I'd become the um, one of the key components of the back half for the Roosters. And then uh, then the Crows, mate. You're debuting against Collingwood in uh, 91. And yeah. I noticed your original Look, debut number was, was the Roos number, 32. No, no, no. That's I, what I, it's saying in front of you on your on the Adelaide yeah, no, Footy no, Club. They're useless. No, they never. No. Um, yeah, so my... Yeah, sorry, my debut as a player was 32. Yep. But my playing number was 49. Yep. But yeah, so on Yeah, so make a make a debut. You go to Vic Park, Collingwood, get spat on by the fans as you come out of the race. <laughs> Mud, it's wet, it's it's shocking and rolled up on um Peter Dacos on debut in the first couple of minutes. So it was scary, exciting, but um uh, what a hell of a what a hell of a debut! Yeah, that's, that's what I was actually going to ask. Yeah, where where yeah. was it? Was it at home or away? But uh, you've put it very very nicely there. Yeah, away no, away Vic, wasn't Vic very nice. Yeah, Vic, Vic Park. It was um, unique. Actually, the funny thing is, when we got to the change rooms, I, I think it may have been Fitzroy Reserves were in there before us, and I still remember seeing Neil Curley picking up bags and throwing them to clear <laughs> to clear everything out so that we could have a space to um, to have our have our change room facility. So. Yeah, it was a bit of a look. It's you know the, the suburban Victorian grounds of the old VFL slash early AFL days. Um, yeah, they were they were scary, but yeah, the parochial supporters. But gee whiz, as a South Australian going over there to play for the Adelaide Crows was it was massive and it was exciting and uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't be dead for quids. It was just fantastic. What an opponent first up though, yeah. Cass, too. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, Dakes, Dakes first. Actually, I was pretty. I was pretty lucky because he took a one-hander in. I think the first thirty seconds, and I was like, "Oh my god, this could be a nightmare." And he he's he's shanked the kick because we're in six feet of mud. So I was I was a bit lucky there. And then um, actually, Paul Williams was was running rampant, so I got I got flipped onto him pretty quick. So I'm thank God I didn't stand Dakes for too long. But um, yeah, when you when you roll out in the mid, middle of Vic Park on the half forward line there for the Collingwood Pies and there's number 35. You get oh god, it's it's like a dream and a nightmare all rolled yeah, into one. That's yeah, that's a very good way of putting it though. So, yeah. Um, Sean, so basically you, nine games, 91, 13 actually, and 92 is the most you played in yep. one one year. You, you sort of a bit unlucky that you never really hammered down a spot. Sort of flick, you know. Yeah, look, interesting. Had a had a couple of. Um, Pretty bad injuries. Sort of got go, got going at uh, the start of ninety. You know, once I got in the side, ninety one, ninety two, and then beginning of ninety three. And then I um I had um I hurt my ankle really badly a couple of times. And that that put me behind the eight ball in that early part of the career. And then there was a change. Nearly left actually, Malcolm. Nearly left a couple of times in ninety. Gee, ninety. Four ninety six, so nearly nearly got rolled out of there. Um, you know, a couple of offers from other clubs, 
but stuck around and thought, no, 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 this is my home. And then um, uh, started off with a bang with Robert Shaw, played all the pre-season with Shorey, had some really good form. And then um, we played a trial game against the Eagles and um, had a, a nasty uh, collision where I, I smashed, I fractured my skull, my cheekbone. And That's right, yeah. Had some real serious damage. So I didn't really play for, I think it was about 14, 15 weeks. So that that injury really really caused me some caused me some grief to um sort of back to find a spot and by that stage the you know the side had really moved on a bit without me but I take solace in the fact that I I survived the purge when Malcolm came yes, along that's he, true. he he cleaned it out and I survived that but um had a really good pre-season under Malcolm and Neil and you know Craigie was the assist, the fitness guy and assistant there I suppose and felt really good in myself and then um, tore a calf really badly right before round one. And that, so to the point where I, I did it so badly, I, did, I was no good for 10 to 12 weeks. Right. So that really, and that stage, well, then the Adelaide Footy Club was up and firing. So I was pretty much a spectator by then. I do want to go back to 93, Sean, where I think you played one of your best games uh, in the finals against Carlton. And yep. you were just really unlucky. It was at Waverley. At just probably the shape oh, of Waverley, like that, and you, you had about four kicks on the goal, Mark. Yeah, three. yes. Hey, a couple of teammates could have put the shepherd on in the square, Malcolm. Yes, uh, yes. A couple but, of marks on the line. Like that... Rule book, you would have been good on the shepherd in the square. Yeah, I might have done the squirrel grip to make sure it went through, mate. Um, I do remember the next week, uh, Sean. I don't know if you can remember walking up to me at the uh, pub after well, the Crows had lost the prelim and. Uh, Yes, it was an interesting conversation with you that you weren't entirely complimentary of uh, Graham Corns. Uh, yes. No. Yes, I, no, I do remember vividly that day. Where... Well, he, he had a go. He had a dip. <laughs> he had a dip, Malcolm, and I didn't play in the... Um, yeah. He left me out of the prelim and played some injured blokes who actually, I suppose, didn't get through the game. And, you know, you, you die and live by your decisions, and that was his decision, and at half-time the footy club was up by... You know, six, seven points, goals yeah. on on their way. So everything was rosy. But um, yeah, I was a bit I was a bit irked with the fact that I'd I'd found form. I was playing really good footy. He um, got his nose out of joint because we sort of he said we'd been out afterwards, but we we'd actually been to the to be fair, we'd been to the grand for dinner with you know there would have been eight or nine players at that at that spot at the time, and I sort of got a got a spray from Graham post the Essendon game and I didn't play. And I was like, well, I'm not sure how that becomes my fault that we lost when I actually wasn't partaking in the game. So yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's, I don't, I don't hold a grudge Graham anymore over that stuff. That's his decision. He's the coach and, you know, that is a decision. But at the, at the time I was really, really miffed because I thought I was actually contributing to the team quite well in the, in those couple of games I played. And in that prelim, we have to ask, uh, is the rumours true that Bickley uh, <laughs> let go? Were you there or well, did I you think, hear Did you hear about it? I think I think Bix has always had a loose bowel. <laughs> so, you know, mind you, there's a couple of I mean, I, David, I'll tell you a story. David Pittman dropped the fart. We lost to Collingwood one, one day and David Pittman's dropped the fart post-Cornsey's berating and I've, and I've giggled. I've giggled because it was the stinkiest thing I've ever I've ever read. 
And he's blown, he's, Graham's blowing me up again. And I'm like, gee whiz, mate, if you're sitting next to me, cop this, you'd be laughing too and trying to get out. So <laughs> yeah, it, was a, it, was a, it was definitely a, sometimes it was funny, but um, there was always a consequence. So the, sort of your AFL career then, after your AFL career, you sort of became a bit of a journeyman. Sean, was just one of those things or say cynical oh, nooks? No, there? not really. I look at Interesting, interesting by play on a couple of the moves. Um, people, people forget as a as a little little fella, my dad was a Glenelg vice president, so I grew up as a little fella running around the Glenelg club rooms and footy club. And actually, to take it back a bit further, before I went to North Adelaide, I actually had a meeting with Graham about coming to Glenelg. So I'd always had a soft spot for the Tigers from a family perspective through my father. And then pretty much at the time when I got to the end of North Adelaide, everyone that I'd sort of played with in that era had left. You know, that there was a real changing of the guard. You didn't train. You didn't train with the Sandville Club. You trained pretty much full-time with the AFL Club. Yeah. So I was sort of trying to work around what's my next move if things go pear-shaped, to be fair. And I'd sort of – Adrian Batterson had – taken over as general manager of the Glenelg Footy Club and he'd, he'd come and had a couple of chats to me and I was working at St Peter's College at the time and Alan Stringer had also, he was going over there with Wayne to have a take on the coaching role. So I just thought, well, maybe, you know, this is this is a time for time for some change and I've always been, you know, I, 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 I can't sit still. It's just the way in my nature. So I thought, of, well, maybe... That, and they'd sold it to me that we were going to, you know, play some young kids and get things real vibrant again and get the club back up to where it should be. And and I really, and to be fair, I really enjoyed it. We, you know, they they were true to their word. They played young Chad Corns, uh, young Matty Bode, the Ottens boys played. There were some kids and some experienced players, myself, young Rouvray, but Paul Rouvray were there, Alan Bartlett, Chiggy, Simon Hill. So we had a real good blend of, experience in youth and we we beat the good teams that we lost to the weaker teams and in the end and in the end it all blew up because the stringer boys got booted out and then tony came in and and it just sort of got changed on its ear a bit that was all and then out to Sturt. oh yeah well well, technically what what happened at the end of my first year with tony i just i just had enough i was worn out so I, i pretty much made my mind up that i'm not I'm not bothering with this anymore. I had guts all. So, you know, I think I was 32. So I'd had enough. So I'd, I'd walked and then Graham Dunstan actually came and said, look, we're looking for someone just to play in a forward pocket and kick some, kick a couple of goals. You know, we can do a deal. Would you come over? So I didn't, I didn't lob it Sturt until sort of late January ish. That probably didn't help me. And I was still, I was still carrying a couple of niggles. And yeah, look, I thoroughly enjoyed. Like, I really enjoyed my time at Sturt. It was it was actually a huge buzz playing for the Double Blues. But that, but actually, um, about three quarters to nine tenths through the year, I actually landed badly and broke. I actually broke my leg, so I missed. I missed right at the tail, and then I didn't really start back into the preseason until the sort of middle of the December. And I, I was really sore. I was one of those ones where I'd I'd train and go home, and my leg would swell up like a balloon. So I was I was busting my butt to try to have some success, but I, I played the first couple of games at the Double Blues, and it was just things were no good. I didn't feel right, so 
I just in the end, I just went to Phil Carmen and said, "Look, I'm, and Graham and said, "Look, this is I, I'm I'm done. I'm cooked." And I just pulled the pin on it. I'd had enough, and life was changing. I was married. We were having our first child with young Sam. So I was like, "Yeah, that's that's enough for me. I've had a good run." And then after that, you, I know you ended up you Poultney, obviously at that stage with work, but ended up then to Brisbane. Yes. Yep. I um was director of sport and activities at Poultney for a while, and then I took a job and went to Toowoomba and Toowoomba Grammar in in uh, good old Queensland, inland Queensland, and had a wonderful time in in Toowoomba at um, TGS. What uh, anyone's ever been that way? You go to Brisbane, do yourself a favour and head into the Toowoomba area and the Darling Downs was um, was magnificent. Met some really nice people, had a great time there, and then. And then got into um, got into Brizzy at um, I was the director of sport and activities at Anglican Church Grammar School. So I had a had a five and a bit year stint there. So you know, really nearly ten years I've been in um, been in Queensland. Yeah, I knew you were there for a fair while. And obviously, I had the pleasure of a, one of your of your cults with uh, Sap Sarza. It was enjoyable time with Weathers. Yeah, and young I Sam was in yeah. the East East Adelaide region yes. with you for a while with Weathers. Yes. Weathers and I did that together for a fair while. Yep. We had a bit of success there, which is uh, something we enjoyed enjoyed immensely. Did did coaching ever sort of tickle your fancy? Oh, I did a bit of um, coaching with the school. I looked after the Holtley First 18 for a little bit and coached a few footy teams in the Darling Downs. We, we, the Darling Downs had the school had their team, so I coached them for a while. But um, I was already uh, more committed in got three young teenage boys, three boys, so you've got to get them around. And and my job at the time, the, the director of sport role in Queensland is, is full, like it's full-time, it's seven days a week. So having the, the freedom to coach when in Queensland, it, it was never going to be there because of the role I was in in my, in my workspace. Now, Sean, you, you moved back to Adelaide uh, and that, and uh, lads out, your lads uh, out at North Adelaide uh, and that. I've got um, two lads at North Adelaide. Yeah, Will's Will's been playing some reserves footy, and young Tom's been playing in the 16s, and he'll be in the 18s this year coming. And of course, superb commentary one game where, as Vicky, you're better, definitely better half, so you didn't expect to ever get a mention on a on a commentary where the son of the air, air hostess burst through the middle. That's right. That's right. Fun. Oh, she's got two Good now. <laughs> so a bit of fun there. Now, Sean, apart of, you know. Apart from your career, you know, obviously chatting about your career on that side of it, you've now got a very, very responsible role with concussion. Really go through that with us, uh, please, Sean. Yeah, so um, a bit of background. In my role at Churchy, I was part of a group called the Rugby Review Group, and we were looking at ways of making schoolboy rugby safer. And in that, in that space, I came across this group called um, Neuroflex. And what Neuroflex is and does it's a it's technology measuring vestibular ocular motor screening and what we look at is eye tracking technology so the head the brain and the eyes work together and we're looking at the reflexes of when there's an impairment so we we use neuroflex for baseline screening of vestibular ocular motor screening and then when there's a, so we have a nice baseline of of a brain of a brain yep. and then when there's an impairment we can retest using the neuroflex platform and the testing suite takes about 15 minutes. And then we get some really good objective data to compare your impairment to your baseline. And what we do is we work in that 
return to play, return to work, return to school space where we can track the individual's brain health as they are recovering. And then we can see when they are getting back to their, their normative range and their baseline to say, look, you know, your, your brain's functioning in the right frame and, you, you know, you should be comfortable to go back and play in your contact sport if you want to. And that's, and that's where I've been working in that space for, you know, two and a half years now. And we, um, you know, we've done some great things in that, in that space. And we work along groups like NeuroCare, Unley Physiotherapy Group in Adelaide, Advanced Neuro Rehab Group with Dr. James McDonald, uh, James McLaughlin, who's who's been fantastic for us. So, you know, they use Neuroflex within their within their practices and their clinical support as well. So it's it's been um it's been a huge huge roller coaster ride, and we and we've become a bit global, Malcolm. To be fair. So, so Sean, where do you see it going? Do you, you know? Okay, we have talked about it during the season and all that side of things. Do you think that it will become longer than the current uh, range that AFL would automatically miss? Look, Malcolm, it's an interesting one. <clears throat> what I'm seeing from what's going on, and I'll, I'll clarify wh- where we are too, what I'm seeing in the States, because Neuroflex is being used in quite a lot of the NCAA colleges over there in Canada, I'm starting to see a real move towards technology in you know, let's be honest, FIFA World Cup is using Neuroflex. Leicester City, the EPL club, they use Neuroflex. World Rugby use Neuroflex. Irish Rugby Union use Neuroflex. Uh, you know, there's some good stuff coming out around some rugby and some rugby league that use Neuroflex. There's some serious groups around Australia that use Neuroflex from clinical for clinical support. I think what's going to happen is we're going to see the time frame each sport has a different protocol. That's what I. That's the thing I, I don't understand as an ex-player, how one sport can have 12 days, 14 days, mm. 16 days, 19 days, 7 days. It, it's, it's a bit crazy. And I think, but each individual is different. So I understand it may take someone seven days to recover, but it may take someone three to six months to recover. Yeah. So I think there has to be better better research and better work around the return to play. I think return to play is is critical. Now, I want to I want to make this is pretty clear. A concussion is a concussion, a brain impairment, a, a traumatic brain injury is, a, is an injury. Doctors do their doctors their, their bit. They are the ones that are the experts. I've no problems with that. That's their job. They know that better than I do. No problems at all. But to provide some objective data that helps in their decision-making around return to play, I think that's going to be the critical piece moving forward. Yep. Now, that makes sense. Well, I'm trying. And, 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 I'll, just, and I'll add to that too. We, I'm starting to find that I'm being approached by lots of schools nationally that want to do work around um, brain health and brain health performance. And there's a, there's a key role to this around their return to school there's a lot of a lot of um children have an impairment just in the school playground i think 30 percent of concussions happen in the playground and there's a real need for i suppose education and support for teachers and staff in schools around when when a student's had an impairment what do we do to help them so that they can get the best out of themselves with their education and you think about parents in private schools now they're paying really big money for their for their for their son or daughter to be educated by these particular institutions. That's yeah, that's a 
an eye opener to uh, that sort of that stat, Sean. I admit I didn't realise it was anywhere near that high. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's the, you know, the current data showing twenty five to thirty percent of those um, concussions in schools aren't happening in the contact sport. They're happening in the in the playgrounds, just in the school day. Huge. Is that is that something uh, talking about different sports? But is that something that's going to be adopted nationally through some national bodies? Well, I think so. I think we just um, the concussion sport group just had their big meeting in Amsterdam, and I know that you know SCAT, what is it, SCAT seven now, or you know, it just keeps changing, is coming out. So they'll they'll bring the new SCAT out. But I, I think there's a real push, and I, I did read in the um, Australian Sports Commission. Um, there's a real push towards better use of technologies. And I think that if the technology's there, then use it. Try to embrace the technology. It's it's going to be value added to whatever decision-making processes you've got in play now. It's going to help with that whole decision-making. And it's such a It's a huge area. It's... Um... Yeah. Oh, certainly, Malcolm, I, I certainly, you know, I'm, I'm probably passionate on this, but I, yep. I've got three three boys and I've got two still playing and I can tell you now, my boys have had a baseline screen and if they have a head knock, well, I, I know for a fact, young Will, he missed an extra week because he had a concussion during the year in 2022 and he missed an extra week because it, well, he wasn't ready. Yep. You know, he could have played, but it wasn't a case of could have. It was a case of, no, we, we're just going to, Hold on and make sure you're right to go. Yep. And that and that decision making as a as a Neuroflex employee is right, but as a parent, that's that's critical for my son's brain health moving forward. And it is an area too. Where it used to be the old days. It was you know smelling salts. Oh. Macca Macca was a regular, oh. obviously. Gary McIntosh probably as much as anyone. The, one of oh. the tra- they had the tra- smelling salts and then bang back out and play. Yeah. Um, yeah. Malcolm, I remember getting cleaned up on Norwood Oval by Tommy Warhurst. Yes. Having the best vomit I've ever had. I got to the boundary line and got told, if you come off now, you never play again. And Daryl Hart took me back and propped me up in the goal screen and said, just stand here for the rest of the game. I went home as sick as a dog, but, you know, trained the next week and played again. It just yeah. That's the way it was in the old yeah. days. Very much so. And we've we've moved beyond that. We've moved beyond that. Thank goodness. Well, we've had a couple of guests on our show that have uh, gone off to get their brains uh, scanned because of all of those concussions that they've had as well. So, yeah, it's a huge topic, and, and we certainly like hearing about it. That's for sure. Yeah, it's um. Well, I think we're we're hearing more about it, and because people are recognising the dangers of 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 too many head knocks, and we've seen what was going on with people that have donated their brains and. You know, CTEs showing up in their autopsies, and you know we don't know about CTE until they have that autopsy and their their brains are cut open. So everyone is is aware of it. Everyone's trying to be cautious and put safety protocols in place. And you know, we certainly we certainly have a role to play in that space. I will be honest. Uh, Mater Block has spoken to me about chocker in that regard as well. It's, uh, I can assure you that Mater will be being sent this uh, interview, Sean. So. Thank you. No worries. Look, greatly appreciated, Task. You know, it was a serious, it's a, you know, obviously wanted to cover your playing career and, and all that. But, yeah, the concussion side of thing is only an area which is, you know, we're slowly learning more and more. And it, it is a vital area. You know, spoken to Johnny Wynn about polypharma, which came out afterwards. 
and Michael yep. H covered it yes. uh, with with his, and it's a massive issue. So greatly appreciated, Sean. No, no worries, boys. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for joining us tonight. That's uh, yeah, a real eye opener for sure. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Task. Welcome back. We've just been speaking with Sean Tasker and certainly some uh, his playing career was fantastic, you know, obviously part of the Crows inaugural squad, but more importantly, his work on concussion. It's an, Look, it's an issue which is only getting bigger and bigger as gradually more and more information and education is coming through. It is the biggest issue for sport, facing sport in the future. I, don't, I think there's a lot of people and a lot of naive people still out there and the information is coming through, and it will be a longer time, and it, it's got to be with not playing. Absolutely, and, and we've spoken with Aishi, and, and, you know, he said he's having some tests, and I think KT's involved with that as yeah. well, and uh, Sean was very passionate about it, and you can certainly see why. It's it's a uh, an area that's needs a lot of attention, and as he mentioned, I think off-air, um, you know, that his son's, uh, you know, had a concussion protocol last yeah. year and just just held him off for a little bit longer, which was the right thing to do, not only as a parent but as a, a neuroscientist. Yeah, someone who's probably had more knowledge yeah. in the area than probably the club. So, yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, Sean was being responsible there yeah, as a parent, as a footy nut as well. So, absolutely. No, greatly appreciated. And, look, that was part of why we got Sean on, the concussion issue. So, yeah, greatly appreciated. We've got a couple of names to follow up there yeah. as well um, um, that – that Sean's passed on and, and we'll probably go into a bit more depth, especially with the concussion protocols. Definitely. Thank you, Sean.